Um, hey, Joe, how are you? How's the ping pong? Doing good? You guys uh, don't know this, but Joe is quite the master of ping pong. He humiliated all the men at the men's retreat. Yeah, he had that little mild-mannered. He's got that old mild-mannered thing going on, but inside there's a vicious tiger. <laughs> Turning your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter number 8. Now, for the men's retreat, we've been uh, studying through Romans 5 and 6 and a little bit of 7, and the, today I'm going to be preaching from uh, Romans 8. Of course, we can't cover the whole chapter and just a few messages, but I wanted to to kind of prepare in this first hour for the next hour. Is that all right? So we're going to start in verse number 5, and and let's just read verse number 5 through verse number 11, and, if, and uh, let's see what God reveals to us. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Father, I pray that you would just take the time that we have and uh, illuminate our hearts to your word and speak through your servant. Lord, make your wisdom real to me, what you want to say. And Lord, uh, help us to have hearts that are sensitive and ready to respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this section of Romans 8 is really... Uh, a contrast between life that's lived after the flesh and life that's lived in the spirit. The first phrase here is, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Um, so I wanted us to stop and just think, you know, uh, where is your mind? Because, we, you know, we, we often forget that that how, where we set our mind, where we place our thoughts, has a lot to do with how we experience life. Have you ever just had a, a crazy idea come into your head and you start thinking on it, and before you know, you just find yourself in a state of depression? Nobody's ever done that? Because you're all looking at me like, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You're just looking at me like, what is he talking about? I have no idea what he's talking about. Well... There, there's a reason that the scripture talks to us. And he says there's two kinds of people in the world. Those who know him and those who don't. Those who are in the flesh and those who are in the spirit. It's one or the other. And to live according to the flesh is to live in self-sufficiency. Now, sometimes we read these words and we're not really sure, I think, what they mean. So 
you guys usually ask questions in Sunday school, right? So I'm, I'm in good shape if I ask you questions. Okay, where's Leo? <laughs> a patience. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. We had a good time. Now, in the King James, it translates flesh. But sometimes it, it has, you know, really three primary different meanings. What do you think it means when he says to live uh, here for they that are after the flesh? What does it mean to be after the flesh? Okay, to live worldly. I like that. Carnally. Pardon me? To be in the world. Any other ideas? Material. Okay, all good ideas. I'm sorry. Ah, now there you go. That is a good answer. Now, now sometimes in the Bible, flesh refers to the physical body, okay? And you have to read the context to know what was, what's being referred to. But primarily, in the King James, when it refers to the flesh, it's referring to self-sufficiency. You see, it's referring to the self-life. How many of you are privileged to have an iPhone? How many iPhone? How many, no iPhone people here. A lot of envious people. What's that? You teach against I. Good. Um, my kids are teaching me. Um, they got me an iPhone and they even got me on iTunes. I don't know how to use any of it. Um, I even have a Facebook page. I am high tech. I never check it. If you ask to be my friend, um, it may take me a month to get on there. I don't know how to use it. And, but I was thinking about this. All the things that start with I, like iTunes and iPhone and iPod. What are some others? And, you know, really, it kind of pictures the American lifestyle, right? It's all about me. Now, that's flesh. Flesh is all that I am apart from Christ in self-sufficiency. You know, and you look at the, the concept of the world, the world's way of living is all about your self-worth. What are some other self-words that we use? Self-actualization. Sorry, Jorge? Selfish. Yeah, well, we, we don't brag on that one, though, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but it's true. We are, but can you think of anything else that starts? Self-esteem, yeah. And all of these things, because we live in, a, in the world, a part that's, that's at enmity with God, that all seems completely reasonable. Why wouldn't you have good self-esteem and self-worth? And there's got to be some other good ones. What's that? I trouble. I trouble. Well, no, I'm, I'm stuck on the self part now. <laughs> we moved on. <laughs> um, but that's flesh. That's what the Bible calls flesh. Why? Because it's you trying to make wor- life work in your own power. And it's not that the believer isn't called to have self-esteem, it's called to have Christ-esteem. 
The, the believer isn't called to have self-worth, but to have Christ's worth, the, the, the worth that comes from knowing who we are in Christ. You know, Adam and Eve were in the garden. They chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What was that that they chose? They chose to, to walk after the flesh. They chose a life of independence from God. And there are times when we, we say, even the believer will say, you know, I'm, I believe in Jesus for my salvation and he's my helper. And he's helping me get through life. But let me ask you this. Does Jesus want to be your helper? Now, in the Psalms, he uses he's my helper. But I want to take you a little bit deeper. How many of you have seen that bumper sticker, God is my co-pilot? Seen that? That's a good one, huh? Nonsense. God has no interest in being your co-pilot. I've seen you drive. He has no interest in being my co-pilot. You see, now, in the Psalms, he talks about he is my helper. But David didn't have the same identity that we do being in Christ. He was still looking forward to the sacrifice that would free him, that wouldn't just be a covering of a sin, but would completely cleanse him sin so that the Holy Spirit could live in him forever. And so what he's saying here, he's saying, listen, I don't want God just to be your helper, like you're doing life and God helps you out whenever you need it. But he goes, I want to be life for you. I want your identity to be to be completely surrounded by me. The self-life attempts to find value and identity in what it does, what it accomplishes. But the Christian is to find life, to find identity and who they are in Jesus Christ. You will live from wherever you set your mind. Now, I've never uh, professed to be a good counselor. I don't... Uh, you know, people sometimes, once in a while, they'll come to me for marriage counseling, but just for a short period of time. Because I'm just, my wife is a much better counselor. A much, she has the gift of mercy. To be a good counselor, you have to have the gift of mercy. I have the gift of prophecy. You know, I, I'll speak the truth into your life, but if you don't do it, don't come back, you know. <laughs> so... I'm just warning you, don't come talk to me later, you know. Come talk to me about football, but, uh, you know, I just, it seems clear to me. But I have talked to people whose mindset can get distorted. That you can get your feelings and start to live out of your feelings and you can start to feel a certain way. And then you start to act based on how you feel. And then you create a new reality based on how you act because of how you feel, and none of it's true. And I've seen just lives destroyed over it. Why? Because they didn't set their mind. They didn't set their mind on heavenly things. Uh, how are we going to live? How are we going to live out of the spirit? Or are we going to live out of the flesh? The difference lies in what we set our minds on. Uh, Phronemas, the mind, refers to the content or the thought patterns of the mind. And the apostle is, he's stating a spiritual equation to walk in the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Look what he says, for to be carnally minded is, 
is death. Now look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, and let's see what the fruit of the carnal mind or the flesh is. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, most of us, we kind of focus on the sexual sins as long as they're not ours. And we kind of ignore the rest of it. But how do you know whether you're living after the flesh or you're living after the spirit? Well, you say, well, I'm not in adultery or fornication or any uncleanness, no lewdness, no idolatry. I preached a series one time in a church called American Idol. And I preached on uh, how Americans, the idol of America is money. I didn't get invited back, but um, <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Do you have any idols in your life? You say, well, no, of course not. I don't have any idols. What, what forces you to do what you do? What causes you to bow down before it? You know, you can have a car as an idol. Now, I don't mean just that you worship it and wax it every week and make sure it's clean. I mean, if you have to serve it, if your life, what you do in life depends on that house, that car, that thing, it becomes an idol. Anything that takes your attention away from God is an idol. Sorcery, hatred. Is there anybody that that you hate? Contentions. Not in a Baptist church. Let's just skip right by that. How about jealousies? Outburst of wrath. Means you blow your top. Nobody... Nobody wants to talk anymore. Oh, gosh. I thought we were going to have fun. Uh, Selfish ambitions. Dissensions. Heresies. Envy. Murders. Drunkenness. Revelries. And I like the last of it. And any other such things. You see, he's wanting to get us to say, how do we know if we're living after the flesh or we're living after... How do we know that if our mind is set on, on the flesh or the set on the spirit? Because the fruit that's produced in our life. But those who live according to the spirit, he says, the things of the spirit. So he states this equation. It's not really a consequence, but an equation. We who have received Christ and have his indwelling life need to live from the spirit. And I think that we just forget who that it is that lives within us, that, that within each one of us who are, who are followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And why do we have the Holy Spirit living in within us? We have the Holy Spirit living within us so that at every moment, no matter what we're doing, cleaning the house, washing the car, going to work, taking care of the kids, changing diapers, whatever life brings about us, we not to do it in our own strength, but we do it out of the indwelling life of God. When we were in the flesh, all we could do was try and find life from self-life. 
But we're no longer to be a self-centered people, but a Christ-centered people. Those whose center is the Spirit. We no longer draw life from self, but the indwelling life of God. And we need to set our mind on the Spirit. And that means that we make the conscious choice of what we're going to think about. Um, Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. Here's the, here's a reality or a truth I, I hope that you'll, you'll take home with you. You can't just let your mind wander. You have to take control of what you think. Uh, Romans chapter 12, 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How do you become transformed? He says, by the renewing of your mind. What does it mean to renew your mind? It's the same thing as Colossians 3. You set your mind on things above. You remind yourself of what's true. Otherwise, you'll believe the lies. That's why we need to know what God's word says so that we can experience transformation. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and tw- through 25 give us the fruit of the Spirit. So first we get what's, what is it? What's the evidence that we're living after the flesh? Bad temper, envy, jealousy, those kinds of things. And what's the opposite? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, or gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So let's take a spiritual inventory, will you? I forgot to give you the handout. I'm sorry. But it would be a good idea, wouldn't it, to get a handout and have a list on one side with those little boxes that you can check and do a spiritual inventory. Maybe you could go home today after after services and you can you could write down the gifts, the fruits of the spirit and the fruit of the flesh. And you could write down and just say, uh, give it to your spouse, because we're we're not that honest with ourselves. If You don't have a spouse. Give it to your children. Um, give it to someone who you know will be brutally honest with you. Right? Because we're just too easy on ourselves. And, and then besides, you know, we don't remember things as clearly as uh, the, the victims, right? <laughs> so we just say, here, what fruit do you see evidenced in my life? See, I have this fear that uh, we who are Bible-believing Christians have uh, substituted religion and live after the flesh and are content not to have love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I hear people talk about it all the time. I can always tell what's going on because they'll talk to me and say, yeah, but, you know, we don't want to talk about all this love stuff. And I'm like, well... Love can be abused. I mean, love can be misrepresented. It can. But that's because it's a misunderstanding of love. God and his love isn't all permissive, lascivious, uh, a license to sin. He, love is freedom from sin. Right? I mean, uh, so, but, but, but would your wife say that she found love in you? Joy, peace, gentleness, kindness? And you say, and Brother Ekno, if I, 
If I let her ask, uh, fill that thing out, she'd hold it over me. She would, too. I'm telling you, she would. Because I did it before. She, my wife's got her, her list. You know, it's in a, it's in a sealed uh, frame. <laughs> but it would help you. Are you serious about experiencing and living after the Spirit? I mean, are you serious about it? Or are you just playing church? The fruit of our lives tells us where we're living from. And if we're living out of the flesh or we're walking after the flesh, then we need to be aware of it. We need to snap out of it and say, hey, that behavior is completely contrary. So we need to be willing to take an inventory of the fruit of our lives as harvesting. You know, we have so many good excuses for ourselves, but we need to be honest with ourselves. Now, so we find out there's outbursts of anger. What do we do? Do we go into a shell and say, oh, I'm just a horrible worm? No, we thank God for it. We thank God for showing us that there's an area in our life in which we are walking after the flesh, contrary to who he made us to be. And we yield that area to him so that he can express his life. Every time there's an there's a evidence of the flesh in my life, I don't sit there and, and beat myself up. I say, Lord, thank you for revealing to me that there's an area in my life where I'm depending on myself, where there's self-sufficiency, and I desire to experience the full expression of your life living through me. That's what it is to walk in the Spirit, to listen to His indwelling life. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. There's no suitable substitute. We'll never make the impact on our community and our world until we begin to take serious that it's the fruit of the Spirit that should be evidence, that should make us distinct as a people, a people who allow Him to live through us. For to be carnally minded is death. Now here's the deal. There's an equation here that's, You can't change. If you live after the flesh, if you live in your own resources, if you live out of your own strength, the result is always death. Anytime you set out to make life work by your rules, your ideas, your plan, your methodology, I don't care, the the end result is always going to be death. But to be spiritually minded is life in peace. We're called... To live out of the life of God. And you see, now when I was raised as a Catholic, I mean, religion gave us this whole structure. And we had a long list of things you were supposed to do and a long list of things that you weren't supposed to do. And, um, you know, in my mind, most of the things on the to-do list were just like unrealistic. So I never even tried. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you grew up Baptist, you had a list too, right? I mean, you did, but you quit trying. But he's saying, listen, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I'm not called to live out of a list. I'm called to live in relationship with the Savior. And he's there so that whenever I'm feeling troubled or when I'm in a quandary or I'm not sure what's going on, I can talk to him. 
You remember what it was like? I remember when, when people shared the gospel with me. It was like, you know, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you kidding? Of course not. And that was the beauty of the gospel. The first step of the gospel was, wow, I can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you get religion after you have this salvation experience, you're going to go and leave that relationship behind and start to look for a set of externals. And he's saying, live out of the spirit. Recognize you have the Holy Spirit living in you. He wants to guide your steps. He wants to be your companion, the one that you do life on. He is the resource so that when you say, I don't have any love, I ran out, I don't have any patience, I that you have all the patience of the creator in you. That you have all of the love of the creator in you. That you have all of the gentleness of the creator in you. You have all of the kindness. Sometimes you don't feel kind. Or at least sometimes I don't feel kind. You know? I don't even know why. And you have to say, Lord, I have no gentleness, no kindness, no patience, but I have you. And so I choose to live out of your indwelling life. I'm running out of time. I hate clocks. Um, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Now, the word enmity is a great word, man. It means you were the hostile enemy of God. Every unredeeming person... I don't care how good they seem to be in your mind. Every atheist, every good church-going person who is not redeemed by the Lamb is at enmity, hostile towards God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. The lack of a new nature, we looked at it earlier when we were the men were studying in Romans 5 and 6, the fact that we have this new nature in Jesus Christ changes everything. But if you don't have Jesus living in you, if you're not set free from who you were in Adam, you got trouble. You can't do it. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, listen, you have to make a very clear distinction when you're reading through here. There's a difference between being in the flesh and walking after the flesh. A believer is no longer in the flesh, meaning stuck in their own resources. But a believer can walk after the flesh. You can walk after the flesh, but you can never again be in the flesh. You understand? So when you're reading the scripture, make sure you're careful to, to follow that distinction. Because he took you out of the flesh. He planted his life in you. Now you can choose to walk after your own resources and the result will be death. Or you can choose to walk out of the life of Jesus Christ and there will be life. But listen, you can't please God. So you can come to Sunday school and I'm thanking the Lord that you did. You can come to church every week. You can come to Sunday night. You can come to Wednesday night Bible study. You can go to on visitation. You can sing in the choir. You can be involved in the youth ministry. What else can we do here? Volunteer in the school. We need volunteers in the school, I'm sure. Right. Do we No. Yeah, we do. Okay, I'm trying to think of all the things that you could possibly, you could go soul winning, you could find out 100 tracks a week, all of them good things. But you can do all of them in the flesh or after the flesh. And the result is death. And the result is they don't please God. 
You mean when I do all those good things, it doesn't please? No, he says, anything you do in your own resources is unpleasing to him. What is it that pleases God? Hebrews tells us that faith pleases God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. He's making a statement of fact. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you have the witness of the spirit in your life? Do you know that you put your trust in Jesus Christ and that he came in and cleansed you? Only God's Holy Spirit can produce spiritual life. Oikeo means to dwell. It means to make your home the dwelling place. And this is what he's saying. He says that God, through the Holy Spirit, has made his dwelling place in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So it's just that simple. I'm out of time. Actually, I have 90 seconds. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. The body will never again determine our identity. And aren't you glad? When you're in the flesh, all you have is what, what your physical life can produce. Me, I'm glad. I'm getting fatter by the year. My health is not as great as it used to be. I was talking to Pastor. I, I've come to the realization that I can't do at 50 what I did at 30. My mind still thinks like a 30-year-old. My body rebels. Right? But you know what? This physical body will never determine who I am. But the spirit determines who we are. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Are you listening to this? That even if we lose this earth suit, this earth suit falls apart and dies. It's not the end. Through his spirit, he was going to give you life. Look, at he says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Holy, through his spirit who dwells in you to have the spirit is to have resurrection life and to have it now. Here's the beauty of it. You're not alone. Being a good Christian isn't about a list of things that you do or don't do. It's about a relationship with your creator. And I thank you for your patience. I should have let you ask some more questions, but I'll be hanging around in the back for the next 10 minutes. And after service, if you have any questions, Father, thank you for your wonderful love to us. We thank you that you took us out of the life of self and gave us your life so we could live out of your life. And I just pray that now we would set our minds on things above, that we'd set our minds on the spirit and what you say is true, that we would renew our minds, that we might experience your transforming power as we live out this resurrection life. Lord, help us to just let you show us if there's any area where the flesh is raising its ugly head. And I pray that you'd help us just to be honest about this sin and be content and not until your spirit bears the full fruit of your indwelling life. We pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.